listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 55, Frozen. She's flawless with flaws. podcast is brought to you by amazon.com amazon is the internet's number one online shopping resource the holiday season is upon us and i know lots of you have online shopping so definitely go check out amazon to get the best deals anywhere and be sure when you're shopping to use our affiliate link it helps to support the show just go to rotoscopers.com slash amazon You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. My name is Chelsea Robson. We also have Morgan Straddling and Mason Smith here. Say hi, y'all. Hall y'all. Hi, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> Say hi, y'all. <laughs> Say hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. Howdy, y'all. I have been in the South too long. That's I've started to pick up the word y'all. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Well, it's just not, it's just not done in Arizona. No, it is not. not. And we are proud of that. (laughs) It's just not proper. It's just not done. But I've, I've taken it on. So I'm bringing it to the podcast. Well, Mason's already done that, but I'm solidifying old news. (laughs) Oh, anyway. You know, we started this podcast about two years ago. We talk about animated movies. We talk about, you know, everything surrounding animated movies. And we just geek out. It's been great. And we're so excited about Frozen. I know, right? This is like the culmination of all of Frozember. All that all that energy and all that all that hype and, and fanboying and fangirling out and being excited. It's all going to come together in this podcast, even though... I don't know. We've had like a great, it's been a great month for us for, for like frozen related stuff. Oh yeah. And Chelsea and I are going to talk about that right now. <laughs> All right. We're heading straight into a previously recorded conversation between Morgan and I. We wanted to record it while it was fresh in our minds, so we did it a few weeks ago. For those who don't know, Chelsea and I were invited to go to the Frozen world premiere to cover the white carpet because Elsa ah. visited and it was covered in snow, so it was mm-hmm. white. Um, and so this next little segment is just our thoughts and basically recapping the whole event. So enjoy. <laughs> So we are moving into our white carpet wrap-up. This is a little recap of the red carpet slash white carpet event that Chelsea and I got to attend. We got to attend the world premiere of Frozen, um, or at least we got to cover it. We didn't actually go in and see the movie and and attend the after party, which was a, a misconception that a lot of people had. But we just got to cover the white carpet, and it was white because, you know, Elsa visited Hollywood, and Hollywood was covered in snow. So the red carpet was not visible. It was white. I loved this opportunity. We had the opportunity to interview amazing people. Like, for example, Michael Jaimo, and he's the art director of Frozen. He stayed with us for 33 minutes. It was insane. Okay, so, well, one thing, like Chelsea said, I was incredibly grateful and honored to have this opportunity. I mean, Disney did not have to invite us. There were a lot of bigger and uh, more well-known outlets that were covering the, the white carpet. And obviously, you know, space is limited. They can't just invite everybody. The fact that Disney thought of us and invited us was very flattering, and I'm forever honored and will cherish this opportunity. So I can't, like, give my thanks enough to the Walt Disney Company 
Company um, for making this happen for us because as many of our listeners and readers know, uh, Frozen was a big deal for us. You know, ever since we saw the concept art um, and a little heard a little bit about the story, we knew, oh, we're all in. Like, we have to we have to be a part of this movie in some way. And our way of being a part of Frozen was covering Frozen, letting, letting people know about it, especially during times when Disney itself was not even talking about the movie. We kind of took it upon ourselves to promote the heck out of this movie with Frozember and Frozen Friday and just any little news story that was available. We had it. We had it at rotoscopers.com. So it was really kind of a great culmination of this past year of us promoting Frozen to, to go to this white carpet event, to the world premiere, and to meet and speak with some of the people who were involved in the film. Morgan and I flew in day of, and for me that meant, uh, you know, seven hours on a plane or multiple planes. And the, the really cool part about this is this was actually the first time that Morgan and I got had been able to see each other since like four months since I moved away from Arizona. So that first was cool. Getting off the plane, I was like, Morgan! <laughs> so we, we wanted to thank, you know, the directors and the movie people for making that possible right there too, giving us a big enough excuse to head on over to each other. And then after that, we, we finally got down to Hollywood. This was actually Morgan's first time in Hollywood. So, well, yes, I had been, I've been to Anaheim. I've been to LA. I've been to Orange County many, many, many times, but I just never felt the need to really do the touristy thing and see the Hollywood walk of fame. It just, it never appealed to me, I guess, or I just never had the opportunity. So this was my first time. It was great. Yeah. And I got to play a little bit of a tour guide in that moment. <laughs> look, it's the Grumman's Chinese Theater. Oh, look, it's a star. Yay. <laughs> but it was, it really was really cool. And then we go in, we go to check in and all of a sudden, like, you don't really see it. Like you see it off to the side. There's the person who was checking us in. She had these two like bags of like frozen and it didn't really like hit me at that moment. Um, what it was, I just saw it there. And then all of a sudden she's like, Oh, you know, we're the rotoscopers. We're checking in. And I was like, Oh, okay. These are for you guys. And we're like, what? <laughs> they had given us these two big bags of frozen swag. It was fantastic. And it was from the Walt Disney animation studios. Like they had, they'd all, I'm sure sent in good thoughts and let us have that. So it was really cool. So we arrived around an hour early. So press check-in, it was at four. We got in at three. And so we we were kind of, um, I just kind of hanging around. I was taking pictures from across the street of, of the event, obviously the snow and the white carpet and, uh, kind of the backdrops were all set up and ready to go, but check, but press wasn't allowed to check in until four. So, uh, we kind of waited around and then we got in the line about uh, 15, 20 minutes early. And there was a, it was kind of down a little alley and all the press people were there. They had their cameras and all this stuff. And, and people I, I had recognized from bigger outlets, a lot of people I didn't, you know, usually the, what, the way it made it seem is that they send the camera people and the crew to set up. And then the host of the show just sort of arrives a little bit after they don't, they don't do all the grunt work, but we were there and there was this girl and she was immaculately dressed. She was very young. She was probably about 17. Yeah. And beautiful outfit, sparkly shoes, uh, hair was perfect. And I'm looking at this girl. And I'm like, this girl is something because her makeup, like you can tell when someone's had their makeup professionally done. It just yeah. looks <laughs> better. <laughs> better. Exactly. Better. It looks more flawless. It's perfect. And this, I'm like, this girl could not have done this um, on her own. And so I heard her talking. She sort of had an accent. And then later it turns out that she was with Disney Channel Australia. The girl's name was Naomi 
Sequeria, and I'm not even sure if I'm saying that the right way, but uh, yeah, she was very cute and beautiful. I'll give you a link to her her personal site and maybe other things that she's done. You can find that in the show notes. So yeah, but apparently she was a a little uh, Pop-Tart that they have down there who does their their videos. So she, you know, we got to see a lot of people. So we check in. Speaking of (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Tarts. This was all sponsored by Kellogg's. And so they were just passing out Pop-Tarts everywhere. (laughs) We're like, sweet, I will take some of those. (laughs) One other huge, huge thank you. Like we were talking about all of these people had these big old camera crews and all these different things going on. And like, it's just, at first it was just going to be Morgan and myself and our little point and shoot camera. (laughs) And it would have been really lame. (laughs) But luckily I had a friend in LA and you definitely, definitely, definitely need to check out his stuff. His name is Mark Alderson and we're going to have his link and everything in the show notes. And he's really a super funny guy. He and I have done a few things together over the years since I've known him, but he was so nice and able to come out and, and be our uh, director of photography. So it definitely made us seem a lot more legit than we felt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Cause Oh, funny, funny guy. Okay. So we got there and we started taking a few photos and, and shooting some videos for our, our YouTube videos. And we'll include the link to the, uh, white carpet premiere playlist that you can find on YouTube. So we did some fun things there as we were getting ready. And then we were off to the races. They started with, um, very slowly. The, uh, interviews started happening at five from five to six. People were walking the red carpet or white carpet, excuse me. And what they had was a, uh, the main section, so we were behind sort of a little barricade, and that's where we were. And then on the white carpet, so we weren't actually standing on the white carpet, that's where these stars and people would walk through. And then there was a little blue velvet rope, and about four feet um, between that rope and then the posters that said Frozen and had the characters. And so that part is where the family members of the guests of the screening were to walk. I mean, they weren't being interviewed, they were just family. Um, so they walked down there, and then the main stars walked on the main part of the carpet. Now something, this little insider, um, which I'm sharing with you because I'm sure everyone's interested in this behind the scenes. That's why we're talking about it. Um, So, you know, you hear these red carpet events and people don't just walk down the line and talk to each person in, uh, in the press. They actually have, each person has a handler and that handler knows which outlets that person needs to talk to. So let's say there's 40 outlets there. He knows that they are going to talk to these five or these 10. And that's exactly what happened to us. So Morgan and I, we, we just weren't, we weren't really paying attention as much as we should have. And all of a sudden we're just talking about, you know, random things. And all of a sudden we get tapped on the back and, uh, one of the um, handlers, helpers, person, uh, he taps on our back and he's like, would you like to talk to the art director of Frozen, Michael Jaimo? And we're like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> and so, <laughs> hi, <laughs> it was really, I, I felt kind of off my guard. And so I was like, stupidly happy to talk to. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> no, it was awesome. <laughs> but he was the nicest, most passionate, amazing guy. And he ended up talking to us for a really long time. Yeah, I kept expecting them after, you know, because I know we've been talking to him for a while. I kept expecting them to say, okay, well, wrap it up. And that never happened. He just kept talking and they kept letting him talk. And I was happy to have him talk and to share because he was very, very passionate about this project. He'd been 
at Disney for over 30 years um, on and off. And he talked about his experiences of always sort of, he was the art director also of Pocahontas. And he talked about how he always wanted to be on something truly big and truly just epic in a way, the, the same way that Beauty and the Beast was and uh, The Little Mermaid. And, and throughout his career, he never had those big moments. When Chris Buck was the, became the director and, and moved over to Disney, he brought Michael along with him and said, you're on this. And so uh, just hearing his his passion for the, for the movie and also the Disney brands, like what I love hearing is that you can tell he is still a fan of these movies, of the medium, of the company. Like he hasn't really become jaded, which can happen happen sometimes to people who, you know, are in the inside and maybe the magic is gone or whatever, but he, he was very enthusiastic and positive and it made it just a great experience to talk to him. And so I, I was really grateful for that amazing opportunity that we got to hear from him. Yeah, really super nice guy. And just that was the thing that I took away from this is just how passionate he was. And he went in and he talked about Elsa's dress and just how amazing, how much, how much effort and how much detail went into that. Because and then the different the backgrounds that he was in charge of. One of the main reasons he loved this idea was he got to be able to go to Norway and work with the fjords. And these were, I mean, these are just huge rock faces. And he decided that he would move it, and instead of having the castle up on top and looking down over the valley of people, he would have the valley of people up top and looking down on the castle, which is right on the lake. And he switched it all up, everything, and it was just really cool to hear i mean this was to me this was something that you would only really hear in such detail on a director's commentary i just felt like we were just in the middle of a director's commentary as we were just listening to him talk about all these different things and it's just so cool yeah he was incredible so we posted um since it was so long we kind of broke the videos up into little segments and so if you type his name you can either type in frozen art director or michael jaimo and you can find his videos um we'll include the links to his different videos videos in the show notes, obviously, but um, we didn't put the whole thing. And so one thing that we're going to be doing with the audio, the whole complete audio of his interview, we are actually starting a brand new interview only podcast. Um, This will allow the Animation Addicts podcast to be just reviews of animated films. And then this podcast will be your place to go to listen to all the interviews. And so that will be decided in the next few weeks um, and will be posted before December 31st. So keep a lookout on rotoscopers.com for that. And we're going to be releasing about uh, three to five interviews all at once. So you have kind of a, a, a little stockpile to get through at the very beginning. And his interviews is going to be one of those main featured interviews and you can listen to it in its entirety and it's going to be really, really fantastic. So I'm, I'm really excited for that full interview and also for this new podcast to share with you guys. So you can always have something to listen to, to inspire you, to give you behind the scenes. It's going to be great. Yeah. 27 minutes with Michael Giaimo. That's pretty awesome. And then we also got to interview the director and producer of the short Get a Horse. Yeah, so um, we interviewed Dorothy and Lauren, and they are the producer and director of Get a Horse, respectively. And they were fantastic. Really, really sharp, bright women, um, totally on the ball. I got to speak with them a little bit about, you know, what was the inspiration behind the short? What were some of the technical difficulties? Um, And I did kind of put my foot in my mouth because I, uh, this whole time, like, 
the, the internet had made it seem that this was long lost footage from Walt Disney and that Walt Disney was the voice of Mickey and that they were actually using some of this footage in the short in addition to newly animated footage. And right away they were like, no, 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 that's not true. And I was like, really? Like, internets, you've been doing me wrong because I've been under this impression this whole time. So I felt sort of stupid, but they just <laughs> kind of laughed it off, thank goodness. And we kept talking about it. And really, really incredible to talk to them about the short. And I'm, I'm, I love that short. One thing I say in the interview is... I'm not a proponent of 3D. I really don't think that 3D especially adds much to the films. But this movie, this short, is one that you must see in 3D. It was made for 3D. Everything about it works perfectly because the 2D characters sort of morph into CGI characters, which then become 3D characters as they're popping out of the screen. So, so good. So see Frozen in 3D just so you can experience Get a Horse in 3D. Because I saw that movie, um, that short, and I was like, that is literally the best use of 3d that i have ever seen for an animated film it was it wasn't gimmicky it wasn't you know forced it was perfect and then we also got to interview some one of the voice actors which was like the voice of young anna she was super cute and then all of a sudden one of the staff comes over and he's like you guys are still waiting for the filmmakers right and at this point we don't really know what the filmmakers quote unquote means we're thinking and hoping it means directors but you never like what does that mean (laughs) technically michael is a filmmaker so right exactly (laughs) like Aren't most of these people filmmakers? Like, I don't know. Um, But it turned out to be the directors, Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck, and the producer, Peter Del Vecho. It was really exciting. They just come over so happy and just saying, hey, it's you guys. Like, oh, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we had all these questions. They're like, okay, we're going to ask them this and this and this. It'll be a great interview. We'll be able to interview them and get all of our questions answered. Because, you know, we have been, we have been so immersed in this movie for so long that like we still have all these questions that we wanted to ask but in the moment and they come up after us and they just start on the contrary interviewing us (laughs) (laughs) what world am i in No, I mean, they definitely were, and, and even um, Michael mentioned this, they they were aware of the rotoscopers and of us and what we had done. And they, you know, we had those uh, those goodie bags, those frozen goodie bags. And so when they approached us, we, we handed them to them. And then they made it seem like they handed it to us, like they had walked around with this and gave us this gift, which they did. Uh, just for convenience sake, we held on to them ahead of time. And so they handed us the, the goodie bag, and it had all this amazing frozen swag and, and stuffed animals and t-shirts and um, and then we just got to chat with them and it was it was one of the highlights I I love just getting to meet them and it was funny because you know there were little lulls in between interviews I was trying to keep up on the Instagram and posting pictures to the Twitter and the Instagram so people could kind of be in the moment and experience it and those take kind of a while because you have to post a picture and then you have to type it and uh, it makes it seem like it's so hard but it really is hard it'll take a few minutes to post a picture to Instagram (laughs) and I was sitting there typing on my phone and Chelsea's like Morgan Morgan and I'm like what I am doing something excuse me and she told me to put my phone away so I stick it in my pocket uh in the middle of a message and I look over and I see this beautiful like woman and she looks like she's in her mid-20s and she has this really pretty lipstick and like really pretty blonde curly hair and like in my mind I didn't really make the connection about who this was I was like oh I feel like I should know this person um she seems like an actress or, or she kind of feels like a, a cool hip blogger I'm like who is this person and then they come up and I'm like oh my gosh it's Jennifer Lee like Jennifer Lee was stunning in person like I, I'm not even kidding when I said I thought she was like a 25 year old hip actress she, beautiful beautiful 
beautiful, super kind, fun personality. Like, but she really was was you know jovial and bubbly and fun and um, really really exciting to to talk with her. And of course, Chris. And and that's one other thing. <laughs> I feel that Chris sort of has fallen. You know, he's playing second fiddle in this whole thing. Chris was the original director, and and Jennifer Lee as the screenwriter came on. And I feel like he's kind of been pushed away um, as Jennifer has sort of made this this prominence as the first female feature length animated director for Disney. I don't feel he got as much attention as he deserves. And so I was really excited to talk to him. And I, of course, I let him know how much I love Surf's Up because I think it's a fantastic <laughs> movie. And and then Peter, I, I was he was awesome, too. I mean, awesome. Fantastic. Really nice. And of course, I mean, this is something that you realize as you go along, but you have to be very careful with what you put on the internet because you never know who's going to be watching these things. You just <laughs> never know. And both um, both our interview with Michael Guillermo and with the directors, they both mentioned the fact that I did the, the little Let It Go video, uh, my very first one, and just how like so just blown away they were that I did that I was like oh wow this is a little too big for me I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) but it was just really funny because like I said we have been really immersed in this for a really long time and it was just so fun to get to meet them and just to like you like Morgan was saying just like talk real with them I mean all the other actors and actresses and everything I don't know I just think those people who work on the backside don't get nearly enough credit that they should and they're just so much fun yeah Yes, I, that's one thing that I was talking. I was thinking about. Like, I didn't care if I spoke to any of the voice actors. I think in animated. No, films, I I did voice... want to talk to Aideen Menzel. I did, but she <laughs> well, wasn't she, there. She wasn't there. <laughs> but I mean, I think the voice actors get a lot of too much attention um, for their role. It's it's a bit misproportionate um, to what they actually do compared to the filmmakers and the animators. And so for me, as an animation lover, my real excitement and joy comes in talking to the filmmakers, the art director, the animators. I mean, that's where. I I get really giddy and excited, um, which led us so, uh, you know, then uh, the, the filmmakers, as they were called, left. And um, basically they were, they were wrapping up because they had to take a cast photo in front of the big Frozen thing. And, and so we thought we were done for the most part. And we were head over heels and excited with everyone we had gotten to talk to. Um, but then we found out there was one more. Yeah. So as we keep walking there, somebody came up and one of the staff people, they're like, do you guys still want to talk to Kristen Bell? Because she didn't get to to talk to everybody so she's going to be coming back after the cast photo to talk to everybody who wants to and we're like um yes please (laughs) so we're just sitting there waiting and that was really cool to talk to her she was and i i don't want to say this out loud but it's so what was in my head i had never seen uh the sloth video up until like three weeks ago Uh and it was so like prevalent on my mind because morgan's like you have to watch this this is hilarious so i watched it and i was just it really it really is hilarious and as i'm talking to kristen bell like she the first I asked her, how was it when you got that phone call that you were going to be the next princess? And she's like, oh, I think I cried. Yeah, I can probably say I cried. And in my head, I'm thinking, like you did with the sloth? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, filter, filter, filter. Good thing, because I'm sure since that video has come out, it's nonstop sloth questions, which she's so I 
probably gets irritated about now. So good job. <laughs> in that video, she talks about how her emotional range, I mean, if she's on the low end of the range, she's crying. And if she's on the high end of the range, she's crying. And uh, the, the, the space in between is very small. So everything is emotional to her. <laughs> and, and she was a doll and a sweetheart. And I, it was so kind of her to spend the few extra minutes on the white carpet talking to these other outlets, because I'm sure she's been to a few other premieres or, or at least has been to a few screenings of the film already. So she's seen it. And um, for her to stay and give those extra, uh, you know, it was really just one or two questions to give each outlet that little snippet, like really meant a difference and was very, very kind of her. And, and I really thank her for that because it was very sweet and unexpected. But there were other people there. Obviously, the majority of the voice actors, um, Kristen and, and Bobby Lopez were there, um, I, which they were going into the theater and I saw them and I was like, Bobby, Robert! <laughs> trying to get their attention just so we could wave because we, we uh, vaguely, briefly know each other from a Twitter, hey, hello, how are you type thing. But um, I, either way, I am, am grateful for everyone that we did get to speak to. And, and I wasn't upset or angry that we didn't get to go to the premiere itself. Not at all. No, I mean, like people were saying, oh, you didn't get to go. That's such a bummer. And to me, I'm like, oh, that never even crossed my mind. Like I was honored just to be a guest to cover the, the white carpet. I mean, that's all that went on in my mind. And I wasn't expecting anything more. Still today, I'm, it, it doesn't, I don't think about that. I'm not upset. I just, I'm grateful that I got to go. I would have stayed had they let us though. I mean, I oh, haven't well. seen it yet. Of course. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I, I would have stayed. <laughs> but we did get, oh my goodness, the best hot chocolate you have ever had in your life. Giardelli hot chocolate is the best ever. Oh my goodness. And I know my hot chocolates. Yeah. So those were, that was on the other side. And that's one thing I wish we would have taken more pictures of at the beginning. We were just so busy trying to get things done that we didn't get to go over to this, um, this hot chocolate stand that they had for people in line. And, but that's okay. So we sort of ended the night, you know, drinking some hot chocolate and talking to some of other, the other press people who were there. And, and then of course, I had a flight to catch, and so we had to leave sooner rather than later. And we really were with some of the last people. I mean, for us, this was an experience. This was an event. To everyone else, it was a job, it seemed like. Ugh, this is just another premiere of the three that I've been to today. <laughs> That's what one guy said. He'd done three different shoots um, in one day, and like, he was going to another premiere tomorrow. I mean, it's just the day in the life. It was, it was nothing special to them, but to us, it meant the world. Okay, so final thoughts, Chelsea. How would you rate the Frozen World premiere? I would rate the Frozen World world premiere as a 10 on a scale of five <laughs> it really was that experience that just kind of topped it all off I, I mean you guys don't all know this but you know putting on a podcast and doing a youtube channel that and a website that is like constantly updated and on target is a is a job in itself i mean it's about 20 hours a week that we put into this both morgan and i and so you know there's late nights where you get two hours of sleep and you still have to work in the morning. It just kind of made it all worth it. I was like, all right, this is why we do stuff like this. Oh, definitely. I was on cloud nine for the rest of the week, just thinking about it, just being so excited about the people I got to meet and just the whole experience and events. It was uh, very magical. Disney did a wonderful job. So I just want to interrupt the show really quick to let you guys know that this episode is sponsored by audible.com. 
Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles. That's crazy. They have 150,000 audiobooks that you can listen to. So you'll be like Belle with an iPod, basically. You'll never run out of stuff to listen to with Audible. One book that I would highly recommend is Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. This is the book from which Frozen was adapted, and the original source material is very lovely. It's a charming story, and it's also completely different from what we end up seeing on screen. So whether it's one of your favorites or you've never heard of it or read it and you want to read it for the first time, definitely check it out. Go to rotoscopers.com slash audible and you'll be able to get that book completely free. It'll be yours to keep forever and you can listen to it over and over and over again. Again, for your free one month trial, go to rotoscopers.com slash audible. Okay, so for our main discussion, we are talking about Walt Disney Animation Studios' 53rd animated feature film, Frozen. How professional can I sound? (laughs) Really professional, apparently. Thank you. (laughs) We're getting really good at this. And that was in one take. I know, guys. This is good. I'm big time. (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) You sound like you should be on on a white carpet somewhere. I'm Been there, done that. I know. <laughs> All right, let's start out this conversation. Basically, just let's talk about the opening scene. Okay. Well, so, no, we should well, do. Can opening. we talk what about previews? My theater experience was great this time because I remember with Monsters University, um, we went during a matinee and there was like a ton of kids there. I had a great time. Um, when I was walking out, um, there was like a three year old girl singing Let It Go. <laughs> nice. You know, obviously have had heard it on the Disney Channel or or, or on the Rotoscopers podcast. Rotoscopers, YouTube channel, YouTube channel, of course. My first impressions: I really liked Frozen. Good. I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was really good, and I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I liked how it was a musical. It was, it was almost like Disney's kind of right, like really shooting for a, a Broadway adaptation of this because there's so many songs in the film. I counted like, I think it was like six or seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention the deluxe soundtrack that's been released. So yeah, I thought the songs were really fun. And that was one thing I noticed that they were like all over the place and that they really drove the action and the story and stuff. So that was kind of the, one of the big things that I noticed. So for me, like we've been talking, we have been talking about Frozen for months and months and months. Even before Disney was talking about Frozen, we were talking about Frozen. And then as, as the weeks came closer and closer and the days turned into hours, I'm like, oh, oh no, what if we've hyped this up too much and it's not that good? So I was was really nervous, but it completely lived up to the hype. I thought the movie was fantastic. Uh, Like Mason said, I loved that it was very operatic. Like I felt certain parts were like Les Mis, um, where it was like singing, talking, when you should have, you know, talking was totally appropriate, but we turned it into singing and it was awesome. Uh, I really, really like that. Um, There are some things that maybe I wasn't as big of a fan of. Um, Not that I wasn't a fan. I just, yeah, I wasn't a fan, let's be honest, Um, or could have been done differently. But for the most part, loved it. And it, yeah. What do you mean for the most part, Morgan? For the all part, loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved this movie. We have been so swamped in Frozen goodness for the longest time. And I was just so, I'm like, please, just be good. (laughs) And as I walk in, I just decided I would let all of that, let all of it go and we can't, we can't say that phrase with <laughs> I know you can't ever again and I just like all right let's just enjoy it for the moment and I walked in and 
it was just, I was captivated the entire time. Just captivated in every moment. Yeah. There was some real movie magic. As far as the hype and stuff, I tried to keep myself aloof from it mostly just because I hate being like overly informed about a film before I go see it. Mm -hmm. And so I was grateful for that. And so I kind of saw it kind of blind. I was keeping up with Frozember and stuff. I just like I didn't want to lose sleep waiting for it because (laughs) I didn't want to get like too overly excited, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted with kind of like neutral expectations. I sat down. I didn't want it to end. I thought it was great. Good. Okay, so let's start let's start from the very beginning. A very good place to start. A very good place to start. Um, um can, can you say Little Mermaid? Like, you know how they start with the ship people? Oh. Um in yeah. Little Mermaid and then very they start with the ice breaking people. Yeah. <laughs> so fathoms below. <laughs> I liked it. And we get to meet little Kristoff and little Sven. Oh, that was cute. So the opening song is called Frozen Heart. And um, how do you like this song? Ah, the introduction of a major theme. (laughs) (laughs) Head characters. Yeah, yeah. That's what they do best. I thought it was cool, but mostly to me it was just screaming uh, Fathoms Below from Little Mermaid. And that's not bad, you know. I guess a theme that I saw throughout most of the films that is very ambitious and they really uh they really scored with their ambition and this was one of their things, kind of a callback to The Little Mermaid, which is, you know, arguably one of the all time favorite Disney films. So I thought it was cool. The songwriters were Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez and they are they are hugely known for musicals. I mean you have some of the biggest musicals on Broadway in the past ten years have been from them. Specifically Robert Lopez with Avenue Q and Book of Mormon Musical. But they also did songs in Winnie the Pooh and a few other even did a Simpsons song in there too. And um, the Finding Nemo musical that plays at Walt Disney World. Exactly. There's a great blue world. I can't remember if it's big or blue. Well, I don't know. I've never been to Walt Disney World, so lucky <laughs> you. I, I forgot. so anyway they came in and it was their job to start the movie and start it all off like a musical and that's what they did so everything in it from the fact that they're bringing up key phrases key plot points but just in a different way it's all straight out of how to write a musical 101 yeah, definitely. I feel this song was one of the least memorable of all the songs on the soundtrack. Um, I have the soundtrack, and I, there there are songs that I frequently go back to and listen. And uh, this one I haven't listened to too many times, but it really did a good job of presenting the plot, giving us a few major characters' themes, and then moving forward to princesses. Do you want to build a snowman? Oh my gosh, I oh, love that song. Oh man, you got speaking I was of songs. To it. Speaking of songs that I listen to over and over and over again, I think yeah. that song is absolutely adorable. When we were going to the frozen white carpet, that song was in my my head all day long. I'm flying on a plane, think, singing, do you want to build a snowman? I'm like, ah, it's a great song, but I'm like, why am I singing this song? It's a sad one, but <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's a good way of, uh, yeah, I I like the song, and then I like the snow motifs in the art decoration. I think we posted some some concept art 
uh, on the Facebook page and it made it into the final film, like all the snow snowflake motifs and stuff. Oh, speaking of songs, did y'all like that kind of like, I don't, I don't know how the tune goes, but that like vocal kind of chanting ish at the beginning oh, of the film. Yes. I yes. Love right. That, that right. Was... When the film starts, everyone was silent in the theater when it came on. It was just this like perfect, like choral chanting stuff. I thought it was a little out of place because you don't see it anywhere else in the, hear it anywhere else in the film until the end, but it was a good way of getting everyone in the audience to shut up, really. <laughs> all the Best kids way. stopped chattering. Yeah, everybody was, was just like, when's the movie going to start? And then they all stopped talking when this came on. Yeah. So I th- I thought it was cool. Very magical. No, I, I love that song. That actually is called the... Um, I don't even know how to say it. Um, I think it's Welly... Oh, okay, wait. Welly. Welliously. <laughs> we'll say Welly. not English. It's not... Really? Um, but yeah, so that's that sort of in had these um, Scandinavian and Norway inspired themes, and that's what I really liked is that we were visiting a new culture that we hadn't really seen before, and then we got this theme in the score by Christoph Beck, and it was just right from the very beginning. It set the tone, and then kind of what disappointed me is that, like Mason said, we don't hear it again. We go straight into a very classical score, which doesn't have these, you know, I, I would say tribal in a way or a very. Um, cultural yeah, it's almost, it, it's very like old it. world yeah and and those were gone and i i felt that was a really big missed opportunity because i think if he could have interwoven that that theme from the area it would have made the score that much more um unique because listening to the mm-hmm. score um i've listened through the whole thing uh, numerous times and most of the songs are pretty unmemorable just because they're just pretty standard classical you know disney musical um fair and i thought you know it was a missed opportunity could have just pushed it that little more and carried a few more of these little tunes throughout and we just see it at the beginning and then sort of the end but i like i liked it like i uh, i remember when that song was kind of leaked a few weeks before the movie came out and i listened to that on repeat over and over again and the original (laughs) version actually had sort of um some christian lyrics that that came from an old hymn and those those got pulled those not pulled but they they didn't end up making the final cut, but yeah, sure. I'll, I'll include the link to that other version of the song if you want to hear it because it's really cool. So the whole childhood thing, this is again why I, I enjoyed seeing the film like relatively blind because going into it, because I didn't understand the backstory between Anna and Elsa. I was like, okay, why is her, why are, why are Elsa's power such a big deal if, if she's been doing it since she was a kid? But uh, they go into the whole theme with the troll magic, you know, Anna gets, oh, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, yeah we have to be doing spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, so um, they have like a little mishap with uh, Elsa's powers, and uh, everybody knows about it, and and the parents knew about it. Uh, First of all, dig the mustache on the dad. (laughs) Movember. Hey, there we go. And um, I knew that there were trolls in the legend of the Snow Queen. I was like, oh, trolls, there they are. Okay, cool. You know, there's box trolls. They got the rocks trolls, you know. (laughs) You know what I liked about these these trolls is that they they didn't feel forced. They didn't feel really out of place i mean we see them at the very very beginning but they just kind of fit like we live in this world um it's most part set in reality but then there's these mystical elements which we see from the very beginning like elsa having ice powers so that leads us into accepting the fact that there are trolls in this world well it actually in the same world there are people with magic hair which was a stat which has been established that it's the same world (laughs) so yeah so yeah anything could happen in these magical kingdoms first of all i think I think the colors and like the art in the film as a whole weren't as like colorful and vibrant as 
tangled. Mm-hmm. And so it was cool. It almost set, set like a more somber and mature tone for the film, like how everything was colored because they do deal with some serious, serious stuff, you know, with the girls growing up and um, Elsa's conflict with concealing her powers and not letting her not connecting with people because she do- doesn't want her emotions to trigger her powers and scare people. That was sad when she was like getting coached by her dad about Ugh. You know, don't feel it, conceal it, and all that Aww. stuff. I was like, oh, man, does it have to be like that? Let, let, let the girl play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the uh, the parents are killed in a devastating uh, mishap at sea. Okay, all I can think at this point in time was, remember when Morgan and I did one of our videos, it's the spoiler video that what we didn't really give many spoilers on. Um, we just called it a spoiler. <laughs> we just called to it get that. attention. <laughs> that might be why Disney called us that one time. Uh, just kidding. But, but um, we were just talking about like, I don't know what happened to the parents here. Um, I think they, they probably just died. You know, how do we add more angst to these films? I don't know. Let's just kill the parents. <laughs> like, it's just how this, we, we totally nailed it, Morgan. We did it. We were pretty <laughs> awesome. And we had, we had no idea uh, backstory at this point. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> hey, that's, that's the Disney way. I mean, they, there are key things that you have to do in a Disney movie. And let's be honest, one of the parents has to die. In this case, both. Which was really is. sad. I mean, it was really dramatic because, you know, it's um, in the middle of Do You Want to Build a Snowman song? And there's sort of this bridge of, of just accompaniment. And then you see the ship and then the big wave cover the ship and then no more ship. And you very yeah, clearly very, know what, very ha- dramatic. what just happened. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I, good, good animation is telling a story without having to use dialogue. So I'm thankful that, you know, some people were like, Anna and Elsa, hear you, hear you. Your parents have died in a tragic shipwreck. I think it was really sad that Elsa didn't even go to the funeral, that she was still, like her parents had, had, I'm sorry, they had really set her up to be an emotional failure because they separate her, not only from her sister, who's her best friend, but from majority of people um, for about 15 years and expect her to be functional in a way. And I'm surprised this girl doesn't have, I mean, uh, she probably does, a lot of emotional baggage. And that's why fear like completely controls her life um even her parents are gone who i guess she could you know now that they're gone i could be free and now i can do it my way but they've sort of like not indoctrinated her but like put this fear into her that she can't hurt people that she doesn't so much the fact where she doesn't even go to her parents funeral she stays in her room yeah like she doesn't leave her room for 14 15 years well i that's my thing like this girl had to have left her room they said they cut down the staff uh, I, Close the doors, and she she had room. to have been yeah. Well, she had to have been exercise? working out. I mean, she had to have been working out to stay in the shape that she's in. Yeah, oh, she's I know, good shape. She doesn't like Colin from you know Secret Garden, right? <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, when he like goes out for the first time, and then he can start walking because he's getting exercise, and he's like actually not sick. That's her. Like she's totally yeah. fine. They're just making her think that there's something wrong with her. It's yeah. True. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, quick uh, quick podcast princess profile, Anna. I thought that Rapunzel was kind of a goofball, but but Anna like is like ten times that. Oh yeah, like she, she's not. I say goofball in the most affectionate way because she's definitely not ditzy. She's just like she's just like a normal girl, you know. I think she's excited. I think she she doesn't have the burden of being the queen like Elsa, you know, for one. And so she she probably is more of a free spirit. But man, when she, they like wake her up in the morning to go to the ball, <laughs> it's really funny, really good animation. And um, 
she yeah she's just she's not silly and she's not ditzy i think she's just kind of goofy and awkward you know yeah because she's she's been shut out as well uh from yeah so she doesn't Elsa know had... how to respond to people or ha- how to act <laughs> in normal situations <laughs> oh, these boy. parents have totally ruined their children <laughs> i know i blame the parents and i know you shouldn't blame people for your problems but i, I gotta blame the parents <laughs> Because, okay, well, here's the thing. Going back to the very end, they so they this accident happens. They take her to the trolls, and they say, oh, well, good thing you didn't hit her heart because, you know, she would have died, but good thing you hit her head, so let's fix her. And then they, like, we find out later, they know what to do, how to control these powers. They just don't tell her. Wait, yeah, oh, no, or do they not tell her? They don't know. Elsa sort of discovers it on her don't. own. I yeah, I don't know. I feel like there could have been more of a um, an, uh, sort of um, a consulting relationship here where the trolls came into the palace and sort of, you know, taught, yeah, just like taught a weekly, Elsa the like, ways. <laughs> yeah, like a weekly thing, like piano lessons, you know, after the <laughs> piano teacher leaves and the troll comes in and he's like, okay, how are you doing on controlling your emotions? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I felt like they, they just used the trolls. They said, help us, help us, help us, you know. Yeah, it's like they have faith in these mystical, you know, otherworldly powers when they need them, mm-hmm. you know, and then they kind of forget it. That is actually, that's, I mean, that's a common narrative theme, you know. Yeah. So like, I would you know, fa- to... fables and stories and stuff, they always kind of forget the magic that made it happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I I thought Anna's character design was really good. You know, as always, she's one of those flawless Disney princesses. And then... With flaws. With flaws. How do they do that? Um, <laughs> I mean, she's got great freckles. I love it. Yeah, yeah. She's cute as a button. Now, Elsa... <laughs> Elsa was actually my favorite of the two in this film. Ah, Mason is Team Elsa. Ah. I am, I am Team Elsa. You know why I like her is because they didn't write her character as super one-sided. Because yeah. on the outside, yes, she is very stoic. She's very cold. <laughs> cold, frozen, get it? And, oh, um, you know, she's very standoffish. But when she's finally on her own and she lets it go... She's more of a free spirit and she enjoys herself. You know, she lets her hair out and she, you know, she has a, a free personality, you know. It I think she has a sense of duty as as having been stifled all those years. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because you see her talking to her dad and as he's like telling her, she she's kind of like, okay, I can do it. You know, she believes in herself in that sense of like, okay, that's, I'm remembering this. This is how I'm going to, you know, kind of overcome this curse that I have, you know, inside of me. But then, yeah, later on, you're able to see that side of her when she's just kind of like, okay, I'm I'm good now. But really, she's not. <laughs> yeah. So I like Elsa because she's more of a complex character, I suppose. I don't think they made her as complex as she could have been. Like, obviously, there wasn't enough time, but I felt like this was maybe one of the reasons they switched the title from the Snow Queen to Frozen is because it really isn't about Elsa. Yeah. Uh, it's about spy, like rescuing her, but the majority of the scenes aren't her. And I just felt that we just needed a little more of her, like just a scene. Uh, well, we did get a scene of her by herself, you know, when she was making her palace, which we'll talk about a little later, but maybe even a scene after that, like as she's talking through things by herself you know like what are her next steps you know why what is what is her plan is she just going to live here with no food you know and (laughs) live in her palace or you know what's going to happen here but i or you know how does she feel about abandoning her sister i mean we didn't really get that from her it's true i forgot about the food (laughs) these little things that you don't remember (laughs) i mean and where she where she use a restroom you know I always wonder about that in these movies. Yellow and snow. They and they conveniently leave it out because they don't. <laughs> you know, okay, going back to the song um, for the first time in forever. I love that song. 
a yeah. lot because it's it's Anna. She's expressing her feelings. She's really excited that finally, for the first time in forever, she gets to meet people and the castle doors are open. She runs into Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. <laughs> yes. And the lyrics are, they're, they're fantastic. They're modern enough. But there was one particular lyric that I did not like, which was the one that's, I don't know if I'm elated or gassy. Yeah. Um, I just, oh my gosh, I don't. But I'm somewhere in that zone. <laughs> I, uh, I just didn't like it. It just, I'm like, Disney for the most part is very classy. I mean, I know Timon was the first, uh, not Timon, but Pumbaa was the first Disney character to talk about flatulence. But I, <laughs> I, I just, he was a different story. I don't feel that Disney f- needs to like go down to that level. So I know they were trying to like modernize the lyrics and make it fun, but like I just like I literally like squirm when I hear that lyric, that line. I'm just like, uh, I love this whole song except for that one part because it's weird. But I like that song, and I also like that song because it transitions from Anna and her point of view to Elsa, and then there's this like very Broadway moment where she's like, "Open the gates." <laughs> yeah, so. I like it. I, I thought that for the first time in Forever and Let It Go uh, were my two favorite songs in the film. Like Morgan said, there are a lot of songs that I easily forgot. But yeah, yeah. so when uh, Anna, they're opening the doors and Anna gets to go to her first steak dance, I mean uh, ball, um, <laughs> and the whole kingdom is arriving, you know. I, I joked about, it might have sounded like a joke about the whole Rapunzel and Flynn Rider thing. Oh, sorry, Eugene. No, but yeah, it, it's I, not I a, it's not a joke. Like... That, did you see it? The yeah, first I time through? Yeah. I didn't see it. Oh, I did you really notice it the first time through? I didn't notice it, but I, I heard where he was. I just didn't, I wasn't even looking for it. I was so I asphyxiated th- on her mm-hmm. that I wasn't. I saw, yeah, I, I thought, I was like, uh, she looks like, her hair looks way too out of place. And that's all I thought, honestly. I didn't really catch it until at church on Sunday, some, some of the people were talking about how they saw Rapunzel. I was like, what? I don't know about that. And then Lo and behold, there they were. I don't even think the um, the art director for uh, Frozen or, or for Tangled didn't didn't even know. He had to ask. He like had to like confirm it with the art department. <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's cool. I wonder if they'll ever when they chug out enough of these um, you know CG princess films for Disney, if they'll um, they'll do like a crossover film, like an Avengers, a Princess Avengers. <laughs> I would so Disney. sign up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder if uh, Flynn Rider and Rapunzel could have helped with the situation. But then again, Rapunzel doesn't have any more magical powers. No, no, so she can't heal any. No, she can't she, heal no, she any can. part. She could just. She just has to cry it out. Oh, that's right. Her tears turn back the hands of winter. Just start plucking <laughs> those hairs, and that thing get a going right there. <laughs> <laughs> that really cool. Nice. Um, on to Hans. So yeah, uh, yeah, uh, on. On to Hans, yeah. So, <laughs> how awesome would that if that were his accent? <laughs> oh. My name is Hans. True love's kiss. I love saying crazy things, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm not a pervert. <laughs> but instead, we had Santino Fontana as the voice. Oh my goodness! Every time he speaks, it's just like I melt. He's on got, my honor. He just has the smoothest voice I think I've ever heard. And especially when the song starts of, she's like, can I just say something crazy? And he's like, I love crazy. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Just keep talking. <laughs> Let me show you how crazy I can be. <laughs> but isn't Hans, isn't Hans just a great guy? Like, he has no flaws. You know, oh, he's so great. Oh, we Hans, should have seen great. it. <laughs> 
Now, I, I didn't see the film, but uh, everything that I've seen about Frozen is that Hans is just like this perfect guy and stuff. He's so great. I'm, I'm glad they finally do that in a Disney film. <laughs> yeah. So, Mason, did you expect what was going to happen to him? No, and when and I don't think anyone did because when the big thing came out and the whole True Love's Kiss and then the whole pff, well, since it's spoil since we're spoiling, um, we just you know talk, when it turns out talk. when it turns out that Hans is not the good guy that he always is. In that moment, when he delivers his line, bam, if only there was someone who loved you, everyone in the film was like, oh, <laughs> and there's this this one woman in this on the side of the of the theater was like oh heck no uh-uh <laughs> i was like you said it sister like holy cow this is the biggest shocker of them all like flynn rider cutting rapunzel's hair it's like all the all the big disney like shocker moments this i think was the biggest oh. i like i knew that they were gonna do i knew that they were gonna switch the love interest to Kristoff. Mm-hmm. i knew they were gonna do that but I did not expect Hans to, because this whole time, like all the research we've done for Frozen, all the all the stuff, I kept myself unspoiled. But the huge mystery was that I didn't know who the villain would be. I, w- I would be like, well, does Elsa just turn really nasty and she's the villain for a while? Or what about the Duke of Weaseltown? Sorry, Wesselton um, and his horrible dance moves, because they, pl- they play it up that Wesselton guy and his like uh, mutton chop minions uh we're going to be the main antagonists of this film hans came out of nowhere for me and i'm so glad i was super naive when i went and saw frozen <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't been this like dun 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 yeah i yeah. think the audible gasp in the theater is not an uncommon thing it happened it in was, mine i've heard it happened it in everyone's up. basically and i that's that's good storytelling you that is awesome it. it was tangible like everyone's surprise super powerful moment in the film the only thing i didn't like about hans's character is that there's no like sword fight between him and Kristoff. i was kind of waiting for that that'd be cool well he would be impaled <laughs> within a few seconds it doesn't seem like Kristoff's very good i mean he's good with an, an ice pick it was like the iron uh the cast iron pans probably what rapunzel and eugene were doing there they're probably like hey you need to ditch these swords and halberds we figured out a great war technology <laughs> they were actually going to the ball to start negotiations for frying pan trade between the two <laughs> we have That's this great they... thing it's protected our whole country it's completely revolutionized everything you gotta have it <laughs> They're like, I don't know about this, uh, because this is coming from the people whose whose high army commander is a horse. (laughs) (laughs) So Hans, he's really cool, and of course he steals her heart, and um, and then it goes into the song um, "Love Is an Open Door." Yes, which I like that song too. I like that song. Sneaking around the castle. Mm -hmm. It was cute. It almost got scandalous. Like, there was one part where they went behind a door, and I'm like, oh, my. Oh, okay. It's not a real door. Oh, They're just oh, playing a okay. joke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Rated G. Rated G. What was Frozen rated? Was it PG or PG? P- or G? PG. Uh, PG. Intimidating ice monsters. I didn't think there was anything suspicious. They do not hint at Hans's nastiness. Like, when he's left in charge of the kingdom, he gets the blankets out. He hands them all the souls. <laughs> You know, they come out to go out to Elsa's palace. He's like, no one is to harm Elsa, you know? Yeah. All that stuff, you know? And, he's, and, and, you know, she's like, Hans, you will take care of the kingdom on my honor. You know, I will do my best to do my duty. Anyway, he, he's such a Boy Scout. 
so during this montage, I wasn't like, oh, he's a snake. He is a bad man. I wasn't like that. I was just like, oh, brother, how many times is Disney going to do these like five minute romances? And it turns out the whole mo- point of the movie was to kind of spit. And they turned it on his head. And so they, they did the whole Kristoff thing, which was like a romance that happened in like the course of a day. So not so five that, minutes, but so that you know that's progressive enough for Disney, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's only an hour and a half film. Yeah, and so they go rushing in, and they're like, "We're gonna get married. Uh, we need your blessing. Apparently, you need Elsa's blessing if you want to be married in the royal family." Well, it's the queen. Um, ah, yes, she is the queen. She's she has basically been... the surrogate mother now. She yeah. has been coronated. Okay, and... before we move to this part, I want to go back to the king of Weaseltown. Okay, when he's dancing around, it reminded me so much of Arrested Development, Job doing his chicken dance. Cop, 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 cop. Have you ever seen a chicken? <laughs> oh, I just I, had to throw that in there. Good times. Dude, Will Arnett is in so many animated films. He is. It's going to be great. Ooh, no, that's what, that's what I saw. I saw an extended trailer for the Lego film, Lego oh, yeah. movie, but that's for another time. But yeah, um, this opens up another thing. Humor that could keep the kids laughing. Um, of course, Olaf got the most laughs out of the kitties. But I think in the beginning of the film, it had a more of a somber kind of heavy tone, at least for Elsa. So they had to throw in some stuff to make the kids laugh and to keep them occupied, you know, or whatever, to keep their attention. So, of course, the Duke of Wesselton is this, like, horrible dancer, you know. <laughs> and then I guess, uh, you know, Anna's goofiness was kind of thrown in there to, to make people laugh and stuff. But um, there wasn't a lot of Olaf-type humor. And, uh, you know, when he does show up, it, I actually kind of started appreciating him for what he was. You appreciated Olaf? What? I learned to no. appreciate Olaf eventually. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's, we will talk about Olaf a little later. Yeah, we will. Yeah. We will. Um, so let's talk about the coronation. There was – was there a choir at the coronation? There was a choir. And it was very – like it was in a really small room. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, a teeny church. Maybe know. that's how – maybe it was one of those uh, – well, I don't know. Don't they have like really small chapels over yeah. there? Yeah. Because, because how... of the warmth and because they're all old school, you know? Okay. That's okay. how big most of them are. Like Maybe that was the VIP coronation. <laughs> <laughs> For example, like you know the in the movie Sound of Music where the, she's like going up into the chapel and you know she's getting married, you know? Mm-hmm. I went into that one when I was on the Sound of Music tour in <laughs> Austria, <laughs> which is you so would. something you have to do. <laughs> you have to do it at least once in your life. Okay. But those chapels and everything there are just really small. So mm-hmm. there. Why why did she have to take the gloves on to to touch the holy hand grenade and the holy crown thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's called the Globus Cruciger. Thank you. That is Latin for holy hand grenade. Why does she have to take her gloves off to hold the relics? Is that like a protocol? Yeah, I would say so. I would have been like, I'm the queen. I'm not going to take my gloves off. It's Those like, things might be dirty. <laughs> well, it's like when you go into a church, you take your hat off. Oh, that's true. Unless Good you're a woman. Point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Or Elsa. Like, she can't even get a break because, like, the ice powers are, like, coming out with the whole coronation thing. You think after, like, 15 years she would learn, uh, like, she would be put in situations where she'd be able to control it. But I guess they didn't even get her, give her chances to, like, play around and experiment with it. So she wasn't able to figure out that, like, love was the answer instead of, you know, it was just they were impounding fear into her. 
Okay. And then there's a whole fiasco with the ball, you know? Well, they I don't tricked, know us. Why they Elsa... tricked us in the trailers. In the trailers, they made it seem like when she was holding that and it got frosty, it was when she was actually being coronated. But it's actually when she's practicing right before um, yeah, getting yeah. ready for the ceremony. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, it was getting a little icy, and then she, she, they were like, hail the queen. She's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Elsa's oh, very poised. Sad. But, but yeah, and then, uh, you know, she drags Hans in. She's like, we want to get married. We met at the hayride last week. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, didn't I see you at the hayride last week? But anyway, um, it's kind of funny because Anna is, she is kind of the cause because she, she brought in Hans and that upset Elsa for some reason. If I was Elsa, I would have been like, yeah, sure, get out of here. Um, One less person. Well, then, no, because it's. But then Hans he- was like, I'll invite all my brothers and it'll be great, you know. And Elsa's like, we don't have enough of a cleaning staff for 12, 12 men. <laughs> <laughs> they need to bring in Snow White from the other kingdom. There you go. With a smile and a song. I don't know. What is it? What's the song? I don't know. Yeah. Whistle while you work. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. It makes me think of The Hobbit nice. where uh, where uh, Bilbo's complaining about the dwarves being at his house. He's like, I won't even tell you what they've done to the plumbing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> The dwarfs. But anyway, maybe Hans's brothers are all dwarfs. So, yeah. And that causes the whole thing. I thought, you know, with the whole, like, <gasps> sorcery, you know, I thought that Weaseltown guy was going to be the main antagonist of the film, you know, because he goes on this, like, witch hunt. But it's kind of just like, I don't know, he's kind of there to, like, drive the general mistrust because the trolls prophesied of this, you know. Mm-hmm. They were like, your powers are, yes, they're magical and they can be beautiful, but they can also be dangerous, depending on, you know, if you don't control your emotions. And then it shows like a kind of a stylistic crowd, you know, kind of turning on Elsa. So that was cool. They kind of tie that in there. Weasel Town is just kind of a pathetic little man. <laughs> Did you guys notice? He's like He's like cowering behind the mutton chops, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, okay, so in this ballroom scene right before Elsa flees, did you feel that... I felt like the animation was slightly off. Like, I felt like the background and its characters were, like, really disconnected from, like, the main stars, like Elsa, Anna, Hans. Did anyone else notice that? Because... Yeah, the lack of energy coming from the the background characters was almost distracting from the scene. Like, it just didn't seem natural. It seemed like some... Like I know that I know that Disney puts a lot of work into these, and I and I know that, but it just seemed like they they just seemed kind of like placeholders. Like, okay, these are people; they're standing in the background and they're at a party. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I don't know about Scandinavian you know customs when you're at a ball. <laughs> I think that protocol, but I but I think I think they wouldn't be as uptight. You know, it's just it just seemed like that, and frankly, it was it was a little distracting how kind of uh, static those character models were. My only complaint about the scene. I didn't really notice any of that. I guess I was just so enthralled by the main characters. I just didn't pay any attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have noticed on a first viewing either, but because it was so stark, I started paying attention. Um, and for the most part, there aren't that many like main characters or even background characters in this film, so that's good because they have enough to work with with snow and all this other stuff. So, anyways, so Elsa, she flees, and I think her departure is awesome. Because she, she's really angry or, like, scared. And so she says, enough! And then it's this really spiky icicles. 
which is like the way she shows her emotions when she's angry. It's like very sharp and pointy, but like later when she's letting it go, it's very like billowy and fun and swirly. Um, and so that she runs outside and people are like, <laughs> they obviously weren't invited to the VIP zone. So they're like, Hey, it's the queen. <laughs> they're like, just hanging out in the corner. <laughs> they are. Like, Sweet. This place hasn't been open in 15 years. Let's take advantage of it. The lady's like, hold my baby, Elsa. And Elsa's like, oh, where's my glove? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, she she freaks out. She touches the fountain, and then she spills the beans to everyone out there. And then, that, and then no one wants her to touch their baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Then and then she... Weasel Town is like, seize that creature. <laughs> seize, seize the fat one. No, I was going to Ma- I was going to go great mouse detective with that one. Seize that despicable creature. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Even better. There's a lot of those in Disney films. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Seize that creature. Seize the fat one. Oh, seize sorry. the fat one. <laughs> yeah, so Weaselton is like, seize the snow queen. <laughs> so yeah, grab your torch and pitch for... Sorry, wrong studio. But anyway... um. Yeah, I almost thought there was going to be like a mob scene, you know, where Weaselton is like, it's that Snow Queen, LeFou. He's the source of all our problems. <laughs> you know, he's he's got Anna trapped in a tower. <laughs> Kill the queen. Kill the queen. <laughs> anyway. Um, I yeah. liked when she was running away on the fjord. And um, every... I like that we can say fjord in this episode. Oh, fjord, fjord, fjord. It's the coolest word ever. I learned that in geology and, you know... <laughs> course disney would put it in a disney movie oh my goodness when we were interviewing the art director of frozen on the white carpet he starts talking about fjord and honestly it has been a really long time since i heard the word fjord and i'm thinking what does that mean <laughs> you're like you're like homer and you know it, it pans up to your forehead and it's a little bear on a bicycle <laughs> it was so was that that interview was so that way for me i was like oh Um, that's funny so i say that and then his press guy that was with him like he's watching this whole thing all and all of my all i can see at that moment is him just start laughing at me and i'm like shut up oh no (laughs) what because you said it wrong no because i was i said can you tell them what a fjord is and michael was like oh okay but his press guy next to saw him. right through it he just like laughs under his breath i'm like oh shut up <laughs> oh well mr big time press guy uh, you know this is our first red carpet deal all right man i will forever see his face in my mind as he laughs at me no yeah so fjords are cool fjords are basically a body of water except scandinavian yep. and so in scandinavia you'll have uh you know you'll have fjordiculturalist you know i got i got my major in fjordiculture it's it's kind of a big deal out there and um so yeah the fjord and the fjording of the fjords um was well, no, cool she when every step that she takes turns into like an ice crystal and so she runs away there which i thought yeah. was really awesome and then in her wake I, i'm not quite sure the exact moment where she caused the eternal winter I think Holy it, cow. But it did. And and Chelsea and I made fun of this in one of our reviews. We're like, 
or maybe it was me. I think I think it was me in, in one of my reviews of um the like the trailer where the Duke is like, if they don't stop this, we'll freeze to death. And I'm like, come on, like, are you really gonna freeze to death? Come on, it's just it's just a little cold. But really, it's because everybody was trapped, and the only way out of this land was through water, and so there wasn't any way to get supplies or so yeah, they they would have died basically and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so and so Arendelle is thrust into an eternal winter and I like how Anna just like sets off automatically to bring back Aslan. I I mean I mean Elsa to uh <laughs> stop the winter. Gets out she's like, Bring me my horse and then she leaves Hans in charge. Mm-hmm. Which and, okay. Um, First off, Anna, the fact she has not really talked to her sister in at least three years. Or maybe fifteen. Like, <laughs> well, we talked to her today. Like that if was the one time in fifteen about years. Chocolate, <laughs> right? But at the same time, she would. St- she still is so secure in the fact that my sister would never hurt me. And I'm thinking, how do you know this? Like, you haven't talked to her for because a really long they time. erased any memory she had of the sister actually hurting her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like uh, when a character is walking into a scary-looking house, he's like, oh, I hope a ghost doesn't get me. I don't believe in ghosts, but I hope one doesn't get me. You know exactly what's going to happen in in the film. (laughs) Um, And so I think it was just kind of leading up to the major plot point of Anna having more of a challenge than she thought of mending her relationship with Elsa, but also bringing back the summer and the spring. And so, yeah, probably, you know, definitely a story thing, I I suppose. So then we go into Let It Go, which is probably like the... Uh, epic of all epicness of the film the epicenter it's, right <laughs> it's, yeah it's my uh it's my favorite song in the film definitely elsa's singing voice isn't that bad you isn't know that bad what the <laughs> it's like, a Tell. i like i like this version of let it go is it's it is very broadway and i liked it but um Woo. i thought that um because as i said before it kind of elsa gets to kind of like you know let her hair it out, you know, and, and be herself, you know, and there's parts where she, you know, where you kind of see her free side and, and that's cool. I felt like it, I was, like it was pretty jarring about how they started it because they just cut to her. She's on the mountain. Boom, she's and, on a mountain. And then boom song. Like there wasn't any like of her. Like I, 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 I guess I would have liked to have seen. You a know how little... a Disney princess usually does a little monologue. Yeah, before. yeah, I, I would yeah, like to yeah. talk to herself a little more, like talk her through it, and then lead into the song. But it was like boom song, um, and so it was like, whoa, Disney, yes. <laughs> Plus, Elsa has no animal sidekick to talk to. Nah. She has no cute Disney animal sidekick character to commiserate with or have therapy with. Kristoff's well, got it covered. In fact, he takes it to to some weird extremes <laughs> in this film. But yeah, Let It Go was uh, really cool. Building the ice castle was very... Um, it was very Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen, for any of our listeners who've seen that. That's what it reminded me of. I, I couldn't get enough of that song. I thought it was really cool. I was stunned at the end of it. I just... I sat there for about a two-second gap i just couldn't do anything and then all i could say was that was cool (laughs) very very deep now i understand how elsa is probably immune to frostbite she's an ice type let's just say that (laughs) and um do gong go and um she's very lorelei of the elite four totally and um how does anna how does anna not freeze to death she, like, runs out for, like, how many hours? Assuming Oaken's Lodge slash gift shop uh, slash sauna 
is like five minutes away from from Arendelle, but it, which it wasn't. I don't know. How does she not freeze to death out there? Which she like goes at the little uh, stream, you know, and she has to like bottle. That's hilarious. And how she gets up on the front porch, you know. Yeah. I love it. That was fantastic. Okay, the sauna when he's like, hello, family. Uh, That was the best. (laughs) You just see this family. Hi, guys. (laughs) I couldn't get enough of Oaken. I wanted to see them tie up his character at the end. You know how Flynn Rider was like, and this guy, you know, at the end. Uh They never did anything with Oaken, but I thought... I thought he was one of the good goofy characters of this film, and there weren't there weren't too many goofy characters, you know. Yeah, it would have been cool to see him be involved in some sort of twist or have some other part to play at the end. But he he just he stood a purpose and he did it well. I thought it was just funny. It was like they're having their big summer blowout sale or whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then of conveniently the only clothes that they have left perfectly are her boots and an outfit just for her. Wasn't even That's an outfit. I thought it was just material from what it was folded. I was yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't very clear. I didn't even see an outfit. I just saw the boots. I was like, oh no, what? there was like a little like um, like folded, and it was like the cape and the skirt. You could tell it was like a package of clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, good. And then Kristoff barges in, covered in snow. Looked a little weird at first, like all the snow effects covering him. I don't know. I just like how Kristoff just like does not care that there's a girl there. You know, he's just like move the carrots i don't think he's involved with people <laughs> you know like he yeah. says, like he says to olaf you don't have very much experience with heat i feel, feel that applies to him you just change one world you don't have very much experience with people <laughs> that is true you can tell that he doesn't get a lot of human contact because sven talks through Kristoff. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i didn't understand that part i thought they could have cut it out and the movie still would have been cool it was just like this weird, quirky thing that Kristoff did like twice, you know? Yeah. But, but I like I like Kristoff as a character. Everyone needs the foil character so that you, you know, the whole Beauty and the Beast thing, you know, two un- an unlikely duo forms an unlikely adorable couple, you know? Did you like his song? Um, oh, the little, oh, the uh, reindeer uh, reindeers are, are better, better than, than people. people. Sven, don't you think that's true? <laughs> I, I don't know Sven's part, but... <laughs> I, I, I It was one of those more forgettable songs of the film. Mm-hmm. I think it was all just part of the fact that this film is like was like trying really hard to be a mu- musical. Like it was, you know? Yeah. It had, it had the full suite... I liked the the very the songs from the very beginning all through Let It Go. I thought were really cool. Like the first act was very song heavy. Like it was nearly all songs, and I loved all of them. But then all the songs basically from here on out, except for the reprise, I just felt that this one they just like gave him a song to give him a song. Um, did, did you get the deluxe edition of the soundtrack, or I, are you just doing I the did. one? Okay. Did you see? Did you listen to the second disc? Yes. Well, it goes in and they talk about that specific song, saying they got to the end of writing all the songs and they're like, oh, we don't have anything for Jonathan Groff. We need to come up with something for him. And so they're like, well, let's just come up with a song for him to you know, sing at the very end of the whole score, you know, and that's how they that's. Reindeers are better than people, but then they actually put it into the. That would have been funny. It would have been better for me in the end credits, like as an additional scene, you know. But I just, I wasn't a big fan. And Chelsea and I talked about this, how we think this song could work better. 
we think that maybe if he did sing the song and they kept it in, I feel they could have had a reprise of the song, much like Aladdin, like riff raff, street rat. But instead, when he's going back after he leaves Anna and he's going back to the mountains or wherever at the very end, he could be like singing the song very like somberly. Like, reindeers are better than people. Like, trying to convince himself that it's true, um, but then have it, like, change to have him realizing, oh, no, like, it's, it's not, it's not true. Like, it's Anna, but that's, that's how I yeah, would have really I, liked to have seen this. <laughs> I could see that. See, here's the thing. I wanted this to be a three-hour musical. I really, they could, there's so many spots where they could have just elaborated and made it so amazing. Like adding little songs like that, little reprises like that, that just kind of fill in those gaps. I mean, cause they just, they had to push through this so quickly. And that was the thing after the second, after the first half, I felt like everything was just like, boom, 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 boom. You know, mm-hmm. all of these plot points. And I just, I can't wait for the multi-million dollar full-length musical <laughs> and it's gonna happen yeah totally frozen on ice that's the only logical explanation <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh no <laughs> coming to Olaf. you next winter <laughs> Olaf on ice well so then we, we meet Olaf pretty soon after right yeah because um she's like right right now we are leaving <laughs> right now well he just pops and, out of um, nowhere yeah doesn't he just show yeah, up literally just wandered in hello like, I don't even. Did we even get to see his creation? Yes. Okay. You so did she, because they made it Olaf in Let in It the Go. Beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they made it in the beginning, and then she kind of randomly decides to make a snowman. But like, I think we're overlooking a big part of Elsa's powers: the fact that she can create sustainable life, automated yeah. snow <laughs> monstrosities uh, that are thinking, breathing creatures. I mean, technically, she's a mom now. She has two Auto- kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Marshmallow and Olaf. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because we care that they die. I thought they were going to go deeper into the whole Olaf thing with him being a construct of Elsa. Where it's like, oh no, he's melting. And then it's it's like, oh, it's funny because he's like joking about melting. And then at the end he melts. But then three seconds later, Elsa's like, oh, come back, Olaf. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, my own snow flurry. <laughs> I, um... Uh, Professor like, Frank. For any one of our listeners who have ever played Final Fantasy IX, one of the biggest story arcs in that, in that game is a uh, a black mage who was created kind of Frankenstein monster style by this queen, evil queen. And he realizes that uh, his big, like, his big, like, part of the story is realizing that he is not a real person, that he was created for destruction and him like coming to conflict with the fact that he's not real life, but he's existing. But at the same time, he wants to do good and not evil. And so I really wish they could have gone into like a little bit more with Olaf. Like maybe his character was just too silly to get into this, but maybe like work in the notion that like instead of being completely naive throughout the whole film and then having that one line, some people are worth melting for. They could have kind of made it a little more serious with him. But I didn't see it, and I don't care that much about Olaf to really campaign for that. But I thought it would have been cool to kind of see a little bit of that. No, my favorite part with Olaf, the part where I was like, okay, I like this character, was right when they go in to meet all the trolls, and he's just like, okay, I think he's crazy. I love you, Anna, so I'm going to stall them because I love you. Run. (laughs) 
Why aren't you running? (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I I came to like Olaf a little bit more in the film. But my favorite line of his is, I don't know, they were talking about skulls or something like that. And like with no warning, it just just shoots up to this really pathetic camera shot of Olaf looking up being, I don't have a skull. Or bones. <laughs> I was just like, okay, that's pretty funny. It was great. <laughs> you know, okay, the director, we saw from Surf's Up his ability to do a lot of situational humor. Just that sly under the radar type things. And this was one of those moments too. Like he did, a, there was a lot of that that went on through here that I really appreciated. So I liked Olaf, um, but I felt he, he, perfectly balanced out some of these moments but then there were times where i was just like uh i don't know does that make sense yeah he was he really pushed the line with how silly and naive he was yeah but in some parts in some parts his humor would fit right in and it made everybody laugh and it dissipated some of the gloom and stuff and or it made the situation more intense or funny yeah, and he was really one-dimensional. Um, he really had one, like, he was a like a one-trick pony. It was like this summer thing. I just can't yeah. wait to see summer. I can't wait to see summer. And I, I maybe because he was supposed to be a simpler character, they didn't want to give him too much depth because, as we know, like some of his lines, he's very naive and uh, not quite tuned in. But um, speaking of now, in summer, I didn't like that song. Okay, all, they, like, could have, they should have cut it out. Uh, yeah, I liked all the songs individually when I'm listening to them. I think they're great. But that one in particular um, took me out of the moment. Like afterwards, I was just like, what? Why? I, I, I felt like they did it just because they had to give Josh Gad a song because he's known for his incredible voice. But I, didn't, I did not like In Summer. Um, which is sad, but it was just so bizarre to me. I didn't, yeah, it didn't I push like the it, plot forward at all. That's true. It it took away and distracted rather than added. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really wasn't a huge... Well, because right after the song, you have Kristoff where he comes up, he's like, somebody's got to tell him. But then there's never a moment when somebody tells him. <laughs> and so that kind of was not used very well. He just dies. Like, <laughs> nobody actually tells him. But honestly, listening to In Summer on the soundtrack, because I, I downloaded the soundtrack before I ever saw the movie, and I listened to the whole thing. And yes, in the sound, in the scope of the soundtrack, I didn't like In Summer, but I thought in the movie, it worked. Oh, And I the thought opposite. it was just like, meh. It, it, I mean, I didn't think that it totally took me out, but it also... I, I see how it didn't push it forward either at all. Mm-hmm. I liked the background when they, he's like, and you all will be there as well. And they have like them sitting on a, on a picnic basket. Oh yeah. Like, that was how did we get here? <laughs> that like, was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> like I liked those parts. Those were good. Okay. So then um, there's the wolf scene. It's true love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's like my favorite gif. And I know it's, I know people say it's GIF, but I'm going to perpetually call it GIF because it's GIF. Um, that GIF is, is the best. Like I, and we had did, um, for Frozember, we did one called, uh, you know, you're a snarky frozen fan. And one of them like had the caption when people criticizing you for loving frozen so much, even though you haven't seen the movie. And then it's that, it's that GIF where she's like, it's true love. It's <laughs> funny. It is a great one. And then we go into, for the first time in Forever Reprise, holy mackerel. Gadina Menzel is just, she's just so good. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's just, she's just good. 
And that one was another like sung dialogue, mm-hmm. which was cool. I liked it a lot because it was kind of that du- duet that we've been wanting from them, which we do get in the original for the first time in forever. But there's like still so much conflict and angst mm-hmm. in in Elsa. And Anna's just like, yeah. come on, please, you'll only make it worse. It's like, ah. Oh. <gasps> yeah, she definitely overpowers Anna in that moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then she gets um, blasted. Poor Elsa. I mean, oh. she's not even trying, and this happens again. It's really sad. <laughs> but she gets Anna gets blasted in the heart and just is like, uh, okay, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they go to visit the love experts. Oh, yeah. It's like, you mean your love expert friends? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's so embarrassed about taking her home to mom and dad, basically. And just like, um, by the way, um, just, uh, yeah, they're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I liked Anna and Kristoff, and I liked um, how they were, like, subtly playing off each other. You could tell they kind of liked each other in ways, like, in little bits and pieces. And it was sort of growing and growing, and they had this mutual respect for each other, and then they started caring for each other. And then, boom fixer-upper looking back i think um reindeer are better than people actually is a pretty good like it fits um i'm fine with that but in summer and then fixer-upper like i uh, this one i was like i didn't feel it was necessary i felt they just wanted a song to have a song and oh i was the opposite really i felt like they were uh, yeah. pushing in our face that in case you weren't picking up we really want anna and Kristoff to get together and i know that's the whole point of the song is that they're like pushing right. it in your face but I did not like it being pushed in my face. <laughs> I liked it. No, the thing that I liked the best, and I, I mentioned this in my one of my videos that I did for the YouTube channel, but it's I, I liked the best because there are many laws in writing a musical, many rules that it's just you get totally slammed by the musical critics if you don't follow certain laws. And one of them is you can't have any quick fixes. And how appropriate that in this one, the quick fix is the fixer-upper, like putting them together. But at, in the bridge, it changes and it switches to, now we know that you're not going to really change him because people don't really change. It was one of those moments that when I heard it on the soundtrack, I was like, oh, oh, that's good. Oh, I like this. And everybody, this is why Chelsea is the music expert. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm kind of in the middle. This was kind of the part of the film where I was like, okay, why does everybody have to have a song? You know, but um, <laughs> let's give Sven a song. Um, I would have loved that. He had one. He but did. anyway, um, at this point, the whole Anna Kristoff thing really isn't developing. Mm-hmm. The whole romance really isn't blossoming. So mm-hmm. I think I think the song was just kind of like a mini inception to kind of give us the idea that there could be uh, something there between them, mm-hmm. you know? And there also may to be kind of explain there that wasn't there before. Yep. What's there, Mama? <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> in Murder, she wrote. But anyway, um, I think the song was a little bit forced, but I um, I didn't hate it. It, it seemed to serve serve a little bit of a purpose. Man, I don't know why. I, I'm like not trying to be negative because I love the movie. I just want you guys to know, like, I love this movie and I'm seeing it again on Thursday and I have the CD in my car. I guess I'm trying to point out some of the more, just be a little more critical than usual because I, I feel that 
if I wasn't. You would just be saying, I love the movie. Yay! I love the movie. I love the movie. I love the movie. So I'm trying to like really take a step back and like look at it very critically. So yeah. all these things that I've been mentioning, guys, it's it's really me like looking deep for things to criticize and to add a little <laughs> flavor to the discussion. Because I really do like this movie. I want everyone to know, even people who've worked on the movie and are listening now. Like, Oh, no, Morgan. People are throwing their iPods out of their cars. <laughs> Morgan, you're normally so nice. Morgan <laughs> betrayed us. <laughs> you're um. a monster. But anyway, um, that, that's not how Frozen fan people talk, but that's just my typical voice, you know. Mm-hmm. That's so anyway, Mason's typical voice. <laughs> I have so many. Actually, I have a YouTube idea where I, I'm going to do 100 of my impersonations from animation. Do um, it. Maybe nice. if we get a certain... Maybe if we get a certain amount of likes or, or subscribers on, on YouTube, I'll do a, a grand impersonation video of Mason's vocal skills. Gosh, where were we? Okay, the trolls. So here's what I don't get. They have the mock wedding, and Kristoff's like, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't get it. And then the song stops, and all of a sudden, boom, Anna is at the brink of death. Did I miss something? Right, and that's kind of where, like what I said. At that moment, everything just goes, it was going boom. Boom, 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 like right here is where it just like kind of everything crashed in one moment. Yeah. It's like, boom, Anna is dreadfully sick. Boom, Elsa is captured, you know, boom, giant snowman. There was a few shockers in the film, but I didn't feel like there was this like horrible low moment where like the main character, you know, his character flaws have, have caught up to them. Um, and there wasn't anything like that. It was just like, oh, no, things are really bad right now. And Anna is dying. It kind of launched into this kind of like Anna's own more like Anna's mortality kind of theme. Mm-hmm. I did like the whole Olaf, don't talk to anyone. OK, hello. <laughs> you know, yeah. Make sure you're not seen. I don't know. The whole ending climax was was a little was a little rushy rush. Yeah. Why didn't the troll guys just come and say and fix everything? I guess he could have with Anna if he could. For Gondor! <laughs> For Gondor! Um, so we already kind of talked about the big reveal. Awesome. Yeah. S- slow clap. You know, Morgan and I had been spoiled from a long time ago. And so I knew that that was going to happen. But I didn't know how it was going to happen. And the way it happened, I was very impressed with. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, talk about a... F- about like cold and an icy heart i mean he was the one the whole time pretty looks cool. like he needs a little true love yeah uh, how do you feel about the true love being sort of like the key or the answer the quick fix i thought it was good because it introduced an alternative to the quintessential true love's kiss because yes. everybody was everybody was hyping it up hyping it up throughout the film and i was like again i was rolling my eyes i was like oh brother disney come on and uh and then the epic shocker with uh with hans you know and he's like oh if anybody loved you that'd be nice yeah but i feel like i feel like kiss you yeah you know and honest like i'm so cold that part was pretty heavy you know yeah. just like turning into ice the whole time and then because um, the the true love thing was family love, you know, and not it, it was a combination of things. It was Kristoff's act of love to leave, even though he probably wanted her and um, to, you know, leave her at Ar- Arendelle. And then it was also his act of love to go back and get her. But it was also an act of love by Elsa when Elsa finally expresses how much she loves and appreciates Anna. 
Well, the whole thing with Elsa was love. By the time it's too late, you know? She left everything for Anna. Like, she left society in order to keep Anna safe. That yeah. was that was the main reason why. And I think had they played that up in the very beginning, like, maybe you, you really would have made you hate the parents at this point. But if you would have had the dad say, you know, something to the effect of, do you love your sister enough to do this for her? Or, I don't know, somehow put something like that in it to where it's, like, you know why Elsa is separating herself from her sister. And then, like, the part where they're at the ball and Anna's just like, no, what do you know about true love? All you know how to do is is shut people out. And that would have had much more of a dagger to the heart had that been there. And it would have been a lot clearer through this whole thing that Elsa really was just trying to do everything for Anna or for the rest of the people. Yeah. So there were multiple acts of true love. And what I liked was that Disney was kind of like, again, turning that on its head with the whole like, you don't really necessarily need the true love's first kiss. Romance love is one thing, but family love can be an either even stronger bond and even more powerful healing force. And I think that was one of the little mini themes in the, in the film, especially since Hans has to go face the wrath of his brothers. <laughs> He's going to get the noogie of his life. <laughs> A 12-man noogie. <laughs> but anyway. Did they actually say that? No. no. <laughs> I was like, what? How did I miss that? I hereby sentence ye to a 12-man noogie. <laughs> yeah. So everything gets... Oh, well, okay, so let's talk about... You know, first off, I love when people get turned to stone or, like, frozen things. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Morgan. <laughs> it's, it's it's a theme in animated films, you know? It's a theme with this whole snow thing. I mean, this, the evil witch, white witch in Narnia at her cave of petrified people. <laughs> Actually, maybe it was Anna's act of true love towards Elsa that caused a true love chain reaction of love, sisterly love, from Elsa to Anna. So it was like this weird cycle of true love. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, ice, ice sculpture. She's pretty strong. I was like, oh, no, she's going to shatter. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but apparently Hans doesn't have as strong of ar- an arm as, uh, you know, Flynn Rider or other Disney hunks. Oh, the whole moment where she's, where she's totally frozen in the statue and, like, there's, like, very little sound and all the snow is frozen in place. It's almost as if all the snow was, like, a direct, had a direct, like, psychological link with Elsa with how she felt and her emotions. Very powerful ending, and of course, you know, the tears of the Pokemon, I I mean uh, Elsa, uh, free Anna from her petrification. I just felt really sad because, I don't know, I was like, oh, it's so sweet that Anna can get, like, saved by Kristoff because she knows he's her true love, but she, like, goes off to to save Elsa anyway. So many feels in this last... In this act three. Mm-hmm. Well, and then it's very abrupt. Oh, yeah. All the all, either, all the ice melts and me and Shannon were watching. We were like, oh, okay, aren't they going to send? Oh, okay. Okay. There's a ship there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Clever. <laughs> and then um, we see Anna and Kristoff you know, at some future point, you know, happy. He slams into the pole. She gives him his surprise, which she promised him a new sleigh sled and then there's just sort of like an ice skating rink in the middle of the courtyard and it pans out and we're done there's a dance party yeah (laughs) it's the dance party yeah do you want to know how how i honestly thought the film would end i thought it would be like a midsummer night's dream kind of thing where um elsa hooks up with hans because i didn't know he was a scoundrel 
and I thought that Anna would would stay with Kristoff. But uh, I guess there's no, you know, even in Enchanted, everyone got a love interest, you know? That's true. true. Except for Pip. Oh, Pip. Sorry, Pip. It's good. But yeah, I thought Elsa would get like a, you know, a hunk for herself, you know, but... You know, she was never interested in love. She, she just wanted acceptance, which she got, and Anna wanted that love interest, and she got it. Yeah, I, I suppose so. A dream is a wish um, your heart makes. Yeah, Elsa was not dreaming for love. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you say it like it's like a, a an eternal Disney principle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> a dream is a wish your heart... Okay, and we know that because a dream is a wish your heart makes. <laughs> I love it. I didn't stick around for the credits, but apparently there is a a disclaimer during the credits of Kristoff's statements about all men eating their boogers. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that is funny. And then, um, you know, some fun stuff with Marshmallow at the end. Yeah, Marshmallow, he he just stomps in and he takes Elsa's crown that got left behind and sticks it on his head. That's it. (laughs) He's the Snow Queen. So, yeah, sequels, do you think they're going to actually do stuff with... Like, another film with Frozen, or you think they're just going to do, no. like, little short films like they did with Tangled? They'll do a short, but I don't think they'll do a, f- a full out. What about a I'm TV series? I mean, that was big <laughs> for a while. I could totally see them doing a Frozen I, TV yeah. series. Frozen, the series. Um, yeah, back in 92. Well, yeah, they don't really do that anymore, huh? We haven't seen a Wreck-It <laughs> Ralph spinoff. <laughs> but I really, really honestly hope that they do put this on Broadway. I mean, look at Lion King, and it's the highest grossing show of all time. And it would make all of our dreams come true because it would fill in all these gaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, speaking of Lion King, this is down to the nitty gritty. Okay, so it's got like an 82 on IMDb. I don't know what it has on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty high. But the Disney fan base is ranting and raving about this film, saying that it's the it's a Disney classic, instant classic, and it's the best Disney film since The Lion King. Do you agree? I have a hard time with that notion because for me to put it as a ranking, I think I would have to see it many more times. Yes, and there is a nostalgia factor that like that really makes yeah. it hard to overcome. Yeah. I wouldn't say best since Lion King because I really like Mulan. And I don't know why mm-hmm. people are just ignoring Mulan because Mulan's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and Tangled, I mean... I'm unsure I, which, which I just... one I like better, Tangled or Frozen. Do you know? You want to know what I know? But both I like... are incredible. Go. Oh yeah, I liked Frozen better. I liked Tangled better. I thought the songs were a little a little more put together because there weren't as many. There were there were more reprises, you know, and there were the songs weaved in and out of the storyline more. Hmm. You know, Mother Knows Best, um, the whole uh, Enchanted song with the hair. Um, so I thought that was more cohesive. Um, Frozen. Both films were very ambitious, and you almost can't compare them because the art direction is very different. But I did like Tangled better. I loved the relationship between R- Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. I loved that Flynn Rider had to make a decision at the very end. And so I just thought the story was more interesting in Tangled. But that doesn't mean that I think that Frozen is horrible. So, like, don't be, like, looking up my address to come and, and, and frag me, <laughs> uh, Disney fans. I really liked Frozen, but I really, really, really like Tangled. I mean, looking back, Tangled's one of my favorite of all time, favorites of all time. But um, that's what I thought. Frozen was a really good film, but Tangled was better. So what would you rate it? Ooh, four stars. A solid four stars. Yeah. I give it four and a half. I loved this movie, and I can't wait to see it again and again and again. My only problem was I loved the first act. I thought that it was near perfection. It was heavenly. It was magical. But the third act wasn't as put together, and I wasn't a fan of some of those, the, basically the 
in summer and uh, fixer upper songs i think that those two like really took me out of the moment um there could have been maybe different different numbers put in or, or it could have been arranged in a different way that i would have liked it better and so for those reasons i just had to bump it down from the five star rating and give it four and a half i also give it four and a half like i said it was just i wanted it to be longer i wanted there to be a lot more of these little nuances that come back that the end it didn't have any of those songs it didn't have any of those like going back to what we already watched beforehand it just was too fast so disney chorus i know yeah and (laughs) but i mean they did have that like we talked about it did have the wellly whatever song Mm -hmm. again and that was cool i left super happy i left super excited about it and wanting to watch it again and it is really one of the greatest movies that we've seen in for the first time in forever really (laughs) i agree with you there great well now i feel all bad being the only guy with a four star rating no (laughs) you should (laughs) our fans are our our fans are gonna be like well 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 we got ourselves a frozen hater (laughs) well speaking of rating so i put a poll on the website and yeah. right now, there are 1,136 responses. Holy um, cow. Yeah. Awesome. We're cool. 61% <laughs> of them give it five stars. 25% wow. gave it four and a half stars. And then it dropped significantly from there. And 7% gave it four stars. Then, of course, there's some random seven people out of the thousand. They gave it zero stars. Um, Wait, why did you even give them a chance to do zero I stars? I think they were joking. These people had to have been joking. But I I don't know. What if someone really did give it zero or one star? I don't know. So, but for the most part, um, about 85% fit into the five and four and a half star range, which is pretty cool. So I'd say we have a hit on our hand, which actually this movie is Disney's biggest hit ever so far. So over the five day total weekend, it made $93 million dollars. For the three-day weekend, it made $66.7 million. And the previous record holder was actually last year's Wreck-It Ralph, which made $49 million. And then it even beat um, Toy Story 2, which wow. was like the previous five-day record holder, which had like 80, 80 million. So all those people at Disney Animation Studios who were like biting their nails and like worried, like, is this going to be a hit? Like, yeah, it's it, done. <laughs> So um, we have voicemails. Hi, guys. This is Gemma. Um, I'll be seeing Frozen the day your episode airs, so I can't really give my opinion on it yet, but I knew I couldn't miss out on doing a voicemail if you did a Frozen episode. So I just wanted to say, I've said it before, I'm saying it again, thank you so much for all the work you've done for us fans in keeping us informed about Frozen. We've all been following this film for a long time and you've been an absolute lifesaver in keeping us up to date, finding everything you can get and being just as excited, enthusiastic 
and irritated by Disney not releasing anything as we were. <laughs> Your videos and articles, they've just been great too, and you put so much effort into them. And then you were given such a reward by being invited to the premiere and meeting the people involved in the film, and I was so glad for you. If it weren't for you guys, I probably wouldn't be as interested in Frozen as I am now. So thank you so much again, and I hope you enjoy the film, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I love you guys, take care, and keep up the fantastic work on behalf of all of us in the Rotoscopers community. Thanks. Oh, I love Gemma! Oh my gosh, that was the cutest email ever. <laughs> I love Gemma so much. Aww. I think, was isn't Gemma the first on the best of 2012 show yes yes she, she talks about how how i talked about rocket doodle <laughs> making like nine thousand dollars yes oh oh Gemma, thank you so yeah that's that's nice to hear that people appreciate all the work that we we did and then our you know our writing staff did a lot of hard work went into frozember and and the videos and so it was all worth it uh, hi all. First of all, my name is Brianna. I'm sure you see me posting regularly on your website. And I want to say I just love your podcast and I get so excited whenever there's an update from you guys on iTunes. Anyway, I saw Frozen with my parents on the day it first came out and I literally had to drag them to go with me. But within the first five minutes, they were so glad I dragged them along. And myself during the first five minutes, well, I already had tears filling up my eyes in the first minute. Like, I'm not kidding at all. It was, I was crying. Anyway, I downloaded the soundtrack on iTunes beforehand. So this was my first time going into the theater, seeing a Disney film that already knowing the songs by heart. At first, I was really iffy about Olaf and Kristoff songs, but they've really grown on me. And the rest of the songs, they have completely, absolutely just stolen my heart. I've heard people saying that they're not Disney classics, blah, blah, blah. But I feel a huge part of that is just the fact that this is not a movie we've grown up with and we haven't watched it a million times yet. I have listened to the soundtrack at least half a million times, and these are Disney classics. Um, the animation in this movie is just unreal. I was absolutely drooling over the way they rendered the ice and snow. Now, for spoilers... I just wanted to say I am so glad that the act of true love wasn't a kiss. Now, I adore true love's kiss, don't get me wrong, but it was really nice to see two female heroines saving the day and saving themselves with a little bit of help, of course. Anyway, I give this movie five stars. It just absolutely blew, my, blew me away and just it stole my heart. I, I think that's interesting. Going into a movie... Uh, Disney movie with having heard, listened to and heard the soundtrack because um, I did that for Tangled and I adored Tangled as I was watching it and loved the songs because I knew them. But this time around, I only knew Let It Go and I'd heard snippets of some of the songs, but I didn't, I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't pre-order the soundtrack and I wanted like a, a hard copy. Um, so I didn't listen to it until after the movie came out. And since we've recorded our main discussion, I've listened to it nonstop in my car and just like Brianna, like those songs have completely grown on me, particularly Fixer Upper in Summer and Reindeers Are Better Than People. Which really? now, yeah, I totally sound like a hypocrite from like, <laughs> literally 10 minutes ago in the podcast. But well, it's more like 30 minutes ago. This is a long one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't skip over those songs anymore. I actually really like Reindeers Are Better Than People. I think it's like really charming now. So I think that goes to show like the power of like getting just used to the th songs. I think it, they were just, a, I do think that in summer, like kind of just draws you out of it for a bit and then fixer upper still on the fence, but <laughs> 
Like, I love the songs, like, in general. I love them by themselves. Yeah. That was actually the exact same way I went into the movie. I got the soundtrack first, and then I just listened to the whole thing, and I went into the movie knowing every song. So I was like, oh, good. I know everything that's going to happen, kind of. Yes, no. I listened to it in my car, like I said, and I find myself just, like, lip-syncing along like crazy. But not even just lip-syncing, <laughs> like, belting it out. Hi, everybody. My name is Susanna. I'm 18 years old, and I'm from Germany. Um, to add my thoughts about Frozen. So I just came back from watching it, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was visually amazing. Um, I loved the songs and the characters. I just really, really enjoyed it. My favorite part about it was definitely Elsa. She was my favorite character from the beginning, and um, I love Let It Go. Um, I also really liked Anna. Um, the only thing I didn't really like about the film in general was that at times I felt like it was a bit rushed and um, the end was a bit too simple and um, not very creative. Um, and I really wanted to know how Elsa got her powers. I really expected to get to know that and I was kind of disappointed. Um, and I also wanted to know um, more about... Um, Christoph, and I felt like it was a bit strange that he was just, it wasn't explained uh, who his parents were and that he just lived with the trolls, and yeah, I think it could have been a little less about the trolls and Olaf and more about Elsa. But yeah, and aside from that, I really liked it, and I'm happy that you got to go to the premiere, that was really great. So yeah, thanks for everything, and keep on the good work. Bye! I'm really glad we're not the only ones who feel this way, that it was a little bit rushed. Yeah, I completely agree. So Chelsea and I are recording these voicemails a few days after um, our, our recording session went really, really long. So we have to record the voicemails um, on our own without Mason. And I literally just got back from seeing Frozen like a half hour ago. And I felt the same way. Like, I actually liked Frozen better the second time. Um And I still felt that it was really rushed. My brother even said the same thing. He was, he was like... It's like this. It's like a slow build, slow build, slow build at the beginning, and then like it drops off, and it's just done, fit, you know, fast, quick. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rotoscoper. So I'm going to tell you my thoughts very quickly on Frozen. Uh, I thought Frozen was great. I'd give it about four or five out of five. I thought it was great. Um, I love the songs, the animation, the story, the characters, everything uh, was great, except for a few little things. I thought that there could have been a little more character development between Anna and Elsa. I feel like some moments that happened later in the film weren't uh, earned as much as they could have been. I don't know if that grammar's right, but it could have been, they could have been earned. And I also think that uh, there should have been more Elsa in the film. She's obviously not slamming Anna, but the more interesting, dynamic, and complicated character. And I think that um, she needed more scenes, especially the scene where... Um, She's in the castle after Anna and Kristoff leave, and she's saying, like, don't feel, don't feel. I think that that, maybe there could have been a reprise of Let It Go or something to really get an emotional moment. But, yeah, I also I really love Frozen. Uh, the screenplay was great. story was great. Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck did a great job. I think that this is definitely going to be remembered years and years and years to come. It, like, people are saying Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Little Mermaid... It could easily stand and with those, and it's going to be remembered. So thanks for listening. Bye. 
we didn't really talk about that. So are you team Elsa or team Anna now? For me? Yeah. Well, they really, like, what she does, she didn't, they really didn't explain her very much. And I think mostly it's visually what's not to love about a blonde bombshell. Like, (laughs) but as far as, like, personality goes, they definitely gave Anna more of the personality. Yeah. Yeah, I have the exact same feelings as you. I wish we got a little bit more about Elsa. Um and then I agree what she said about Kristoff. This time I was thinking, I was like, okay, do I want Kristoff and Anna to get together? And it's like, I don't really know that much about him to really root for him. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like he's really like kind of gentleman-y, but then he's like a guy's guy. I kind of wish we had a little bit more of him and his backstory. Because, yeah, that, that totally, like, why is he a four-year-old orphan? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next one. Hi, Rotoscopers. Tim here, longtime listener, first-time caller, calling to uh, leave my thoughts on Frozen. Frozen was awesome. was a great movie. I really enjoyed it a lot. My favorite, probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire film was the Let It Go sequence. Now, prior to the movie, I'd listened to the soundtrack multiple times and listened to the song multiple times. But I have to say that it played much better in the actual movie, not only the Adina Menzel scene of the movie, of the song in the movie, but the, the visuals as she's building her ice castle reminded me a lot of Superman the movie. And um, also other aspects of the movie that I liked were Kristen Bell's performance as, as Anna in the film. I really thought she, she held her own singing-wise, and it seemed like this part was written for her because... Kristen Bell is a very quirky actress, and Anna's quirks really seem to come out through her voice, so it really seemed to work work for her. My one complaint of the movie in general would be Jonathan Groff. I really thought that he was underused. I mean, you had to hire a, a Broadway uh, actor like him, and he sings maybe a minute of song. I think that, that was... Uh, not the best choice, but I, I still enjoyed the movie overall. I like that they played up Disney's self-awareness of their prior movies in terms of the plot and in terms of Hans, which I really enjoyed. And I just enjoyed the movie overall. It was a really fun time. I'm glad I saw it. Looking forward to your thoughts. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, so now we're going to read a few Frozen-related emails. These are ones that maybe came from a few months ago, and, uh, you know, we're not the best with voicemail and mailbag sometimes. Um, But, yes, we are reading them now. Hi there, my name is Jacob Kay. I am currently a traditional animator interning at Burbank, keeping hand-drawn animation alive, and I am a huge animation fan myself, especially when it comes to Disney. Not only am I a huge fan of all things Disney, but I'm also a huge fan of your show, and I would like to say that you guys are truly spectacular. I started watching your series when you released your, quote, cool news about upcoming Disney film Frozen. Later on, I watched your DVD reviews of different Disney films, and I loved each and every one of them. Also, Chelsea, you're Take on the song, Let It Go. Your voice is really outstanding and beautiful. You and Morgan are something special. So I've decided to make this all for you guys. Hope you two enjoy it. Thanks for sharing your love for animation to all the world. And don't ever let it go. Jake. Okay, so um, I'm going to include Jake's drawing in the show notes. So he drew us a picture of Elsa. And it's so cute and adorable. And it says, let it go on it. So that 
thanks. Thanks, Jake. That's really awesome. And I'm excited that you're pursuing your dream in California. That's awesome. He sent this email a long time ago. And I remember just when we first got out, I always looked at that picture and I was like, oh, she's so pretty. (laughs) We should have added it to another one of the podcast earlier on, but it just is so fitting right now to add to this. Yes. Hi, guys. I wanted to thank you so much for being my and a lot of people's go-to people for frozen news and information when Disney wasn't giving us anything. I've been following the films in June of last year, and without you guys, I probably wouldn't be as excited as I am. You may have noticed, mainly on my Twitter, that I am extremely excited about this film. Probably too excited. You posted a video on YouTube of Indina Menzel at D23 singing Let It Go, and I can't tell you how grateful I am that you put it up. I actually wrote numerous comments to make one big fangirl comment because if there is anything I'm more excited about in this film, it's the music. Unfortunately, your video seems to be blocked by Disney now, which is a real shame. However, as soon as you posted it, I heard the song. I knew I had to write it down. I knew I had to learn the song, even though it was just a snippet. So over the past couple of hours, I wrote down the melody and lyrics, and I learned them. Wrote out the piano accompaniment as best as I could, and then recorded it. I was going to do a video for it with lyrics on screen, but I can't bear to show my face. But with your video being blocked, I'm not sure whether to put it up in case it gets blocked too. So for now, I'm sending it to you guys. Think of it as a big thank you for the best Frozen News reporters. You've saved many a Disney fan's life with your updates over the year. Thanks, Gemma Clark. Actually, right after Adina Menzel sang this song at D23, Gemma then sent this to us. In preparing for one of my other videos that I did with my little niece, I had my niece and I sing this song with Gemma's version. It was quite cute. (laughs) Awesome job, Gemma. Rotoscopers. Regarding the trend of changing the movie title from the original work adapted to something shorter, less feminine, as you discussed in an article how they changed Dorothy of Oz to Legend of Oz, Dorothy's Return. I was thinking such an act certainly has some negative implications on the marketing-oriented attitude. Title change could actually protect the original work from being displaced by Disney's adaptation in the long run. Today, I am quite sure that most of us have difficulty imagining Beauty and the Beast, The Little Mermaid, and Alice in Wonderland without relating to their respective Disney adaptation. The success of Disney alternatives comes at the cost of obscuring 
the very original work it was adapted from. Hence, by having an alternate title while acknowledging the adaptation, people will no longer be, quote, lazy by just watching the Disney adaptation to, quote, read, unquote, the story and realize that there is always a difference between a work and its adaptation in another form of medium. Thank you, KY. Okay, thanks, KY, for your email. And I think that's really interesting, seeing that you're saying one of the reasons studios are changing the names from the original adaptation story is to kind of make it its own niche so it can stand alone. You know, like he says, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, uh, they have the exact same name as the original fairy tale. Um, so I think that's interesting. I think that's one way where they can totally market it, trademark it capitalize on it and it's theirs like no one can steal any version you know i think with little mermaid yeah. it's like oh well you know little mermaid it's public property right you know <laughs> right. Uh, i i can't do anything if my mermaid app also has purple seashells and a green tail and red hair i mean coincidence but so i think with this it's like very distinct uh so yeah i hadn't actually thought about that before but that's actually a really good point Okay, and like so here it. is one more from KY. This is actually a little older. This is before we found out that Demi Lovato was going to be singing the Let It Go version. And this is KY's uh, speculation about who this person could be. Dear Rotoscopers, I wish to voice my speculation on the possible singer who will be singing the credit song of Frozen. There have been many guesses I saw on the internet, such as Adele and Josh Groban, but I am making a very different guess here that not many would expect. Do you think there's a chance that Agnetha will be one of the singing credits of Disney's Frozen? She was a former member of the Swedish pop group ABBA. She recently made a comeback in her singing at and from her latest album release this year, I think she still sings well and, surprisingly, has no problem singing songs in a manner of popular songs today, with heavy synth effects and all. Agnetha, with no doubt at all, meets the criteria of a, quote, singing powerhouse, unquote, as mentioned by Jennifer Lee in her Twitter account. Besides, by having her involvement in the Disney film, this might give the film's marketing an advantage in the Scandinavian or even European region. There's also a possibility that Jennifer is familiar with ABBA. Since being a woman more than 40, it's plausible that she also grew up listening to I admit that I am quite having wishful thinking, but it would still be great to hear from you guys on it. Thanks, KY. So when KY sent us this email, all I could think, I just remember, I really like ABBA. I mean, really, I really do. What's not to like? But I really don't think that she's going to be made on this. Really don't. That would have been cool, though. It would have been cool. But yeah, of course, they have to go super mainstream. and, And so Demi Lovato it was. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. As always, you can find us online at rotoscopers.com. You can also send us an email at the rotoscopers at gmail.com. Send us your voicemails at rotoscopers.com slash voicemail, or you can call in at 406-646-6575. And in case you didn't notice, the last four digits spell roto. Um, and also send in your voicemail submissions for our best of 2013 episode. This is going to be a fantastic episode. It's always a favorite. We show some of your favorite clips and moments from the different episodes. Um, and so we really like feedback for this. Otherwise, we're just picking our favorite moments, which may not be your favorite moments. So definitely send a voicemail in to get your favorites on the show. Uh, remember that these are from episode 30 on. 
which was a goofy movie, and everything that came after. Uh, some people have been submitting some older episodes from 2012, and while those are fantastic moments and episodes, uh, we're, this is the best of 2013 show, so we're only going to use clips from episodes that aired in 2013. Also, in this episode, we're going to be doing our first annual Rotoscopers Awards. These will be awards that we... Um, as a Rotoscopers community, we'll all vote on. Um, so it's not just us and, and the writers picking, it'll be you guys. So definitely make sure to vote. By the time this episode is up, the awards will be available at rotoscopers.com slash awards 2013. So once again, just go to rotoscopers.com slash awards 2013, all one word, you know, and also, of course, that's going to be in the show notes below. But that's where all the nominees are and you pick for your favorite. Uh, every category will have a write-in. So if you don't see your favorite there, be sure to write it in. And we, uh, you know, if other people are thinking the same thing you, then it will make it to the top. Really cool stuff. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Again, you can find me, Morgan Stradling, on Twitter, at Morgan Stradling. You can find Chelsea Robson on Twitter, at Chelsea Robson. And, of course, you can find our sole man of the show, Mason Smith, on Twitter, at MasonMSTX. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, we are the Rotoscopers.